that would help. <clears throat> One. For the week ending on July 27th, Philadelphia had a total record of 3-5, with the Phillies going 3-2, winning two series and getting destroyed in one, the Union going 0-1 with a 0-4 loss, and the Fusion also losing two games in two map five instances so much to talk about as always so please sit down relax and enjoy your ride here on the orange line Welcome back to your weekly source of Philly sports, The Orange Line. Philadelphia's first and only 8 for 8 sports podcast. I am your host, as always, Dr. PhD, here to break down some of the best moments from the AFL, MLB, MLS, NBA, NHL, NFL, NLL, and OWL, all as it pertains to the city of brotherly love. And how do we do that? Well, we take where we start left off last week start with that and work our way up from the least amount of news to the most amount of news so where did we leave off last week well with the beast in the east themselves the philadelphia union well if uh, you haven't been following the union they've been doing pretty dang good and this week the beast in the east heads up north to face montreal impact the montreal impact i should say and unfortunately the union forget to play like beasts a lot of really questionable plays uh going from midfield to the defensive side of things and it it really just didn't seem like our day we weren't being able to connect on passes get shots off very upsetting play for the philadelphia union unfortunately it also makes me question if being on the road uh, is hurting the union. It seems like they are just significantly not as good, not as mm, resilient, I'll say, uh, on the road as they are at home. But we do remain on top by three points over top of the Atlanta uh, FC, Atlanta United. So uh, that's at least some good news. Other good news is on Monday, uh, Union defender Kai Wagner earns his first MLB Team of the Week honors. He had a really impressive insist, assist against Chicago last week, which uh, netted him the spot. So good job to you, Kai. Um, but going back to uh, some not upsetting things, uh, let's talk about the Flyers. They didn't really have too much news going on this week. Very quiet in the offseason, but there are plenty of articles to read on the Flyers' websites. Uh, a lot of them are uh, written by Bill Meltzer, who talks about some different things that have gone on this offseason, some signings, some uh, re-signings, players' roles, and whatnot. Some of them include Scott Lawton and his new deal that brought back the Lawton train and uh, what his growth as a player is going to be like. The right winger that we got from, I believe, the Dallas Stars, Tyler Pitlick, and his possible role that he could play for this team. And even 
where Travis Sanheim has to go as a defensive player, as one of the top defensive player on on this team, in this league, and uh, how far he can go as a player thanks to this new deal. Um, but that is about it for the wing, the Flyers, I should say. But we are going to talk about the Wings. Uh, they have been in the news for once. A big trade has gone on on Tuesday. The Wings traded our goaltender Buckin and a second-round draft pick in the 2020 draft for a fourth-round draft pick and a goaltender from the Buffalo Bandits. His name is Zach Higgins. And it seems like the Wings head coach and GM, Paul Day, is pretty excited about it, has a lot of faith in him. He says he has experience as a starter, also said that he's ready to take that next step from you know, just being an asset to a team to being the full-time starter. So that's very encouraging. Hopefully, this can be really good for the Wings as well because uh, goaltending wasn't really their strong suit last season. So if we can add a bit of stable goaltending, with some of our defensive stars and some of our offensive stars and some of our young kids, uh, this team could actually be pretty good. And speaking of two of the young kids, both of them being Matt Rambo and Trevor Baptiste, they are going to be playing for the U.S. national team in the World Indoor Lacrosse Championships, which is really good. Good for them. Lots of honor there. I don't know. Um, but our boy, Matt Rambo, and the monster that he is, Trevor Baptiste, are going to be representing the Wings for uh, the the world championships of lacrosse, I don't know, um, but it's just it's really nice to see them being honored with uh, how good of a player they all actually are. And let's talk about some other teams that are in the off season right now. That's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Training camp started this week, and there have been lots of encouraging pieces of news. One of them being Carson Wentz. He is starting practice. He's not wearing any leggings. He's not wearing any braces. He's looking fresh. He's looking clean, and he is looking really, really good um, as he is going through these off-season motions. That's really great. Also, a player that's uh, worth noting that he's back on the field is Brandon Brooks. He was playing day one for training camp, which is really nice because he had that Achilles injury that happened in January this year on the 13th, I believe. Um, so it's nice to see him back on the field. Other players that are also going to be back on the field are Fletcher Cox, Ronald Darby, Mac Hollins, Derek Barnett, Miles Sanders, who's a rookie from Penn State. Uh, so it's nice to get them involved in the practices day one, so that way they can uh, be back to full form as soon as possible. Also on Friday, other pieces of news that came out is the Eagles picked up a couple of cornerbacks, uh, one of them being Alex Brown off of waivers, who last played for the 49ers, and Orlando Skandrick, who last played for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, adding them is kind of telling that they're looking to add some more stability, I should say, in uh, the secondary, in the backfield, which uh, should be really nice. Um, but that also means that there's 11 cornerbacks on the roster right now, so we're going to have to cut that down just a little bit. And in terms of some other football, the Philadelphia Soul are going into the playoffs this week, and uh, there wasn't really much that happened during the week that is newsworthy, so let's take a look at what this matchup is going to be like. So far all time, the Soul are 6-3 and three against the Washington Valor. They have lost their last two meetings, and they both came this season, which is a little upsetting. 
Uh, Washington's quarterback, whose name is escaping me because I don't really care, is actually kind of insane, so maybe I should care. Offensively, he, uh, I think, has taken part of the last 72 of 73 of Washington's touchdowns. He's, you know, responsible for the last 52 touchdowns. All of them came from him either running or passing the ball, so he's kind of like a double threat, something to look out for. But the interesting thing is he's the league leader in interceptions, which could be really good for the Souls secondary, who has played much better in these last few games than they did at the start of the season. So maybe that can be really encouraging. Also, our defensive line has definitely stepped it up in the last five games. They had eight sacks, so there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. Hopefully, we can get him to make a few mistakes. As for a player to look out for on the Soul side is the fresh Prince of Soul himself, Darius Prince. He uh, has a touchdown in every single game this season, so it's going to be interesting to see how many he's going to get in this game coming up on Sunday. But that's about it for the Soul, so let's talk about the Philadelphia Fusion. Why don't we? Um, The Fusion had a uh, pretty interesting week this week. It was kicking off stage four, and, uh, well, I have a whole lot of emotions to go over for the fusion. There's a lot to talk about. Um, but the the main point I want to get across with it is it's not really the start to stage four that I would have wanted for the fusion. That's... I don't know. That's where I can go with it. Um, they started off really strong on map one, where it it was without a doubt that Fusion was going to steamroll them. They looked great map one, and it just got instantly turned around by the charge. I don't know what happened, what flip, what what switch they flipped. I should say they uh, they did, but um, yeah, they they triggered something that just kind of seemed like shutdown we were able to pick up a win on map four which was on junkertown which was really nice i like the comp that they ran it looked like a pirate ship that was really fun um but the the main question that i had this week is what 222 is going to be like for stage four what the meta is going to end up being like and i don't know i don't know where they're gonna go with it uh it seemed like there was a lot of may play and um it was nice to see some reaper but uh it it was just real confusing at moments because there seemed like there were times where carpe could have switched off of reaper to maybe a Widowmaker or a tracer that would have made more sense for the ending of a push but it just didn't seem like he wanted to i i don't know i can't really question him he's gonna know more about the game than i do but i just think that maybe if you weren't succeeding too much with Reaper, you'd switch to something else. At least that's what the commentators made it seem like. Um, but he opted not to switch, I guess. Um, and that ended up putting a close to uh, Thursday's match. It was a Game 5 instance, uh, which going into that, we were actually 5-0 and going into Map 5s this season, and... It just kind of sucked that we weren't able to pull it off this time. And then Friday, we got to saw a back-to-back map five. Unfortunately, though, it was just another loss. So we are now five and two in map fives. But uh, it was a really close series, at least. 
Uh, we traded maps going 0232232112. So it was really going either way. And like I've said before, I always like those kinds of matches. They're always really fun to watch. I just don't want them for my team. I want to see us destroy other teams. Obviously, that did not happen. That's a little upsetting. But it was still a pretty good match. It just sucks that we came out with the L. Junkertown, though. Junkertown really seems to be like our map. I love that pirate ship. It worked twice this week. So uh, I, I think if we have a way... I know it's not possible, but if we had a way of only playing Junkertown, I think we could do it. I think we could get all the way to the championships, the grand finals, which is still going to be held in Philly. So get your tickets if you are not uh, going just yet. And uh, my closing thoughts for after the matches were played this week was just, there's a lot more that we're going to have to learn, that I'm going to have to learn, and that the players are going to have to learn uh, going forward with this meta. I know EQO was in a video a little while ago about uh, you know what 222 is going to be like and where some of these players, some of these influential players are going to end up landing in terms of their team and how they're going to perform. And he also said himself that it's going to be difficult for him to relearn some of these DPS characters just because of the fact that um, they've had to play Zarya and some of these other goats heavy characters that they don't really get a chance to play their usual preferred characters so hopefully they can start getting back in the swing of things hopefully we can see carpe and eqo coming back to form it just kind of stinks that as of right now it doesn't really seem like the case um in other fusion news on monday overwatch released a brand new character named sigma who is a tank, I believe. I don't know too much about him. Uh, I do know that he's not going to be in Stage 4, obviously, since it just started. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how he impacts the game going forward. So I would love to hear some of everyone's opinions about Sigma, the way he plays, some of his interesting little quirks and whatnot. And uh, hopefully he could end up being a good addition to the game, and especially to uh, Overwatch League. Uh, also on Thursday, the Fusion announced that they are hosting a watch party that's going to be at B-Dubs in North Philly um, next Sunday. So not this week, but next week. Um, on August 4th for the match against the Toronto Defiant. So uh, it'd be cool if you're in the North Philly uh, area and you'd like to go support Philadelphia's local Overwatch League team. Head on to B-Dubs, get some wings. It'll be a fun, fun time. Um, but that's about it for the fusion. So, uh, we have just a few more, a couple more teams to talk about. One of them being the Philadelphia Phillies. They, um, they had a week this week and the only way I can really describe it is by going where it all started, which was on Sunday. I was pretty happy with this start of the week and one could even say that I was smiley. It was a great debut by Drew Smiley. Uh, who had six innings pitched. He had eight strikeouts in those six innings, only allowing one earned run, which is really, really nice and encouraging. Um, it did have to go to extras, though, because both teams were playing pretty dang well. And uh, thankfully, we had Reese Hoskins, who came up clutch with an 11th inning home run to give us the lead. It was his 21st 
of the year. So thank you very much, Reese Hoskins, where the game ended up being closed out, and we get the win. Thank you very much. Which was really nice going into Tuesday's game, where we started off a two-game series against the Detroit Lions. And Hoskins continued this uh, short little clutch streak, I should say, with a game-winning RBI. It was a 63rd of the year, but it was also behind some pretty decent pitching by uh, Aaron Nola, who goes seven innings, had seven strikeouts in those seven innings and one earned run. So uh, back-to-back quality starts for Phillies pitchers. It um, it was really nice to see because you don't really get that too much from the Phillies. Um, and then going into the game on Wednesday, the 24th, all of a sudden, Vinny Velo shows up and he goes, hey, I want to pitch too. He uh, gets nine strikeouts and five and two-thirds innings pitched. No earned runs for him. So that's a third decent start in a row. What is happening? What is happening with Phillies pitching all of a sudden? We're just going to turn it around? It, it's it's great to see at this point. We love it, the fact that some of these pitchers can finally do some work. Hoskins also got another RBI. It was his third one in a row. Uh, for 64, so that's very good for him. And now we get to the end of the week, which I like to call the dumpster fire. It was not nice at all. It all started off on Friday, the 26th, and um, you know, going into that point, I was like, all these good starts, it's got to be good, too good to be true, too good to be true. We don't get all these good starts in a row, and obviously, that was kind of right. Jake Area pitches four pretty good innings, only allows one run in the first, uh, but then immediately retires 11 straight, so things seemed pretty good, and then absolutely loses it in the fifth, giving up four runs, um, which was not nice. Also, errors were hurting this team real bad in this game. We go down 9-2, to two, and uh, I think we had two errors in the game, which ended up costing us a few runs, and I just, I don't get it. It seems like we can't win at home. We go on this road trip. We do absolutely amazing, winning uh, four of five. And now we come home and just don't know how to play baseball all of a sudden. Real annoying. Real annoying, Phillies. Um, but then we go into Saturday. And, I I mean, you know me. I like to blame the pitching as of right now. The only pitcher that I trust is Aaron Nola. We've said this before. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, in Saturday's game, the pitching was awful. They did allow 15 runs. But what was mind-boggling to me was the defensive play by the fielders for the Phillies. Again, some more errors, just weird plays. I don't know why Reese Hoskins had to dive for a ball that was going to the second baseman. It, it, it just seemed really questionable I should say I don't know it, it was just ugly play all around the hitting was there which was nice we got seven runs but when it's a 15 to 7 game it's 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 not enough obviously it's it's frustrating just like this team has been for quite a while it's very 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 frustrating <sighs> something needs to be done about this pitching and I saw a lot of people once again, talking about, oh, Gabe Kapler. We got to get rid of Gabe Kapler. I'm tired of seeing Gabe Kapler. He's doing nothing for this team. These guys don't listen to him. And, you know, at this point, they kind of have a point. I understand it. I just think he's he's only able to work with what he has. And what he has is 
not great pitching. That's that's just the facts of it all. Is uh, the pitching that he has is not good. So something has to be done about that. At least in my opinion. At least in my opinion. But I don't want to end the week on a bad note. So let's talk about the Sixers because there has been plenty of good news coming from this organization. It all started off early this week with a few videos of our boy Ben Simmons playing some summer games. I don't know if it was pickup or practice or just summer league or something like that. But the video showed him hitting some jumpers, uh, being real aggressive to the hoop, shooting the ball, looking real nice. Lots of people seemed encouraged by this. I obviously was. I definitely am hype. I'm going to say it again. Let's run it back. Uh, Not with the same team. Obviously, we can't do that. But let's run it back to the playoffs. I think this team is the team that can absolutely get to the Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals, get that championship. I'm not going to call it out just yet, but I'm saying this team is looking really, really, really nice. And the other thing that has been an absolutely great piece to every single day I've had this week is Mike Scott on Twitter. He has the best Twitter. He's a man of the people. He just gets it. He's understanding of this whole Philly vibe, and that's why I love it. Almost every time I open up Twitter, there's garbage. That's what happens all the time with Twitter, just garbage. And stuff I don't want to see, stuff that's really annoying, and then it's just like random BS. But every time Mike Scott has something to say, is replying to a fan, it is just great. It is that nice little sparkle that's in, you know, like I said, a pile of garbage. He just gets it. I don't know how many times I got to say that. He just gets it. And he's also, he has probably the most fan interactions on Twitter that I've seen from any professional athlete ever. And I love that. It just it seems like there's more of a connect there. He's understanding of the people, understanding of the mindset, which is good. I like that from my players. Not my players, but the players that play for the organizations that I love. Um, some of the things that Mike Scott did this week, he had a race with a fan. He went to a Mitchell and S and had a meet and greet. Had some hats. That's really cool. I need a hat. I want a Mike Scott hat. Get the uh, Scott Hive on it. Look real cool. I need some more Sixers stuff, too. Um, he also crashed a wedding, which is such a baller move. And he had a great time there, still tweeting about it. He, he's just great. It's just great to see him interact with the fans like he does. So thank you so much, Mike Scott, for a beautiful, beautiful week. And hopefully next week can be just as beautiful. We can take a look ahead at the team schedules. The Phillies are closing out this series against Atlanta with an Aaron Nola start, which should be pretty decent. And then go into a series on Tuesday through Thursday for uh, San Francisco to come to town. And then uh, on Friday, going into Saturday and probably Sunday, we take a road series against the Chicago White Sox. Fusion also have a match this week. It's going to be against Houston on Friday. And the Soul start their quest in the playoffs. That's going to be happening on Sunday against the Washington Valor. So lots of great sporting events to look forward to. But some other things to look forward to are the Dr. BHD picks of the week. 
And as always, I just picked three things. Two of them are going to be Philly sports related. The third one is kind of a wild card. It's always up in the air. But the first one this week is going to be to the Philadelphia soul, the heart and soul of this city. Uh, they start their final push for number four, meaning AFL championships, of course, with a home at home, which opens up against the Washington Valor in Washington. So it's going to be really good to be able to pick up a win away. This team's been hot for the past couple of weeks, minus that loss to the Albany Empire. Um, but it's have, it would have me feeling really good going into this week if we were able to win on the road. It would be real good, like chicken noodle soup, for the soul. But for number two, the Phillies' uh, pitching isn't good. We know this. We've said it a million times. So in my opinion, some moves should be made. That's just what I think. The Phillies' pitching has been not good in starting. It hasn't been good in bullpen. It hasn't been good in finishing these games. And... I don't know. I think something has to happen, and this week is probably the last week. Not even probably. It is the last week where some moves can be made. I know the Phillies have shopped around a few players. Hopefully something can be done. And for number three this week, go follow Mike Scott on Twitter. That's going to be at Mike Scott, spelled exactly the way you would think. The dude is a real one. Like I said, I love his interactions with fans on Twitter. I love the way that the guy just carries himself. He's he's just a dude. He feels like a guy I can relate to even though I cannot relate to him whatsoever. And that's what I love. That's what I love in seeing these players, having them have a personality. He just seems like a cool guy. He seems like a real one. He seems like he knows what it is and what it do, and that is why he is the third pick this week. So go follow Mike Scott on Twitter. I promise you won't regret it. If you want, you can also follow me on Twitter. That's going to be at Dr. PhD, D O C T E R P H D. You can also follow the podcast at Orange Line Pod. Um, go find us on Facebook as well. That's going to be the Orange Line Podcast. And um, yeah, if you're listening to this, if you're only listening to this auditorially, I don't know if that's the right word. But that's probably going to be on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, any other podcast platform out there. But you can also view this on YouTube. There's a nice little webcam where you can see my face as I talk some of these Philly sports. So if you would like to do that, find me on YouTube searching the Orange Line Podcast. Um, and I post this every Sunday. Uh, if you do find me on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. That'd be really cool. Let me know what you think of the show. And as for everything else, I hope you have a great week, and I will see you next time.